welcome to the rundown. That was Samora Pinder Hughes. We will talk more about him later. Thanks for listening. I have with me a guest host today, Leah. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Hey, Thanks. BJ. Hey. That's right. This is BJ. Thanks for being here. So in case anyone has forgotten, Gabrielle, unfortunately, is not working at Brick anymore, although she is still in the Brick family and will be around and we'll see lots of her. But she is no longer co-hosting The Rundown with me anymore. So uh, this is Leah's audition to be a co-host. No pressure. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Thanks Thanks for leaving, Gabrielle. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Your dreams have finally come true (laughs) of being a co-host on The Rundown. Uh, But you've special guested for us before. You are the music producer here at Brick. So it's great to have you on the show. Uh, You and Gabrielle worked very closely together. So Gabrielle's definitely missed, but we're happy to have you, Leah. So... Like I said, that last track was Samora Pinder Hughes, who was part of Jazz Fest, because, hey, Jazz Fest happened. That's right. It did. <laughs> so, Leah, that's a big part about, of your job. So tell me, how did it go? Tell me, is there anything that you're still thinking about? Absolutely. I mean, it was really fun for me to do it. This was my first year uh, doing Brick Jazz Fest here at Brick, and it could not have been more exciting on all fronts. The planning was amazing getting to work with all of the artists. I mean, I'm really proud of our lineup. I think it was really eclectic and a great mix of, you know, some jazz legends. I mean, we closed with Maceo Parker, and that's a pretty bucket list item for really any music festival or, you know, (laughs) certainly a jazz festival. Um, And then we had, I think, some of the best emerging talent in jazz right now. Samora Pinderhughes definitely being one of them, Um, but also Theo Croker, Butcher Brown, Jasmine O'Horn. Just a lot of young, new voices were there. Um, so that was really exciting. And then, you know, I mean, we packed the house out every night. So people were into it. And, you know, I really want to thank everybody in Brooklyn and beyond who came out because the energy was really high. Uh, and that was really the most rewarding part. That's awesome. I love the Brooklyn and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. One of the things I love about like the crazy world of ticketing technology is you can look at these maps when you're looking at ticket sales of like where people bought tickets to things, where they happen to be. So even though, of course, a lot of our ticket buyers were in Brooklyn and the New York area, there were people from San Francisco who bought tickets, people from Montreal, Vancouver, and randomly in Miami, like all over these random places. So that's exciting to me. Yeah, that's great. So tell me more. So we played some more Pinder Hughes to open the show, and he played at Jazz Fest. So tell me a little bit more about him, because he also was on a panel for the Jazz Fest. He was. I mean, this guy's extremely exciting. Give I don't, me the deep. Yeah, he, I mean, I don't even know where to start. He was, uh, first of all, an incredible get. Like, I don't think we would have felt right doing a jazz festival without this incredible talent who lives here in New York City. And I mean, he's young, relatively speaking. You know, he's a recent Juilliard grad. Uh, who's really been making a name for himself as a film score composer, uh, but then came on the scene with um, this transformation suite, the part of which we were just listening to, which was a really ambitious endeavor. It's a totally multidisciplinary piece that incorporates his own original piano compositions as well as poetry, spoken word that he collaborated with others on, their visual elements. Um, and I think that just speaks to the type of artist he is and also the type Um, the approach that I think a lot of artists are taking just because you're a musician or you specialize in X thing it doesn't mean that you're not creative and able to speak and communicate in other methods of art and he really speaks to that so he's just really interesting really multidisciplinary which I love 
Um, so he, you know, was gracious enough to perform the transformation suite for us at Brick Jazz Fest. And what's great is that I was told this later that he's notorious for changing it a little bit each time. <laughs> so while oh. the yeah, so while the bulk of the piece and you know the message is the same, uh, he you know likes to throw in different collaborators and maybe put in different pieces of poetry and improvise here or improvise in a different place, which I think is really special. And also that's so jazz, right? It's like, why? Yes. Why not so make true. it a little bit different each time? Um, so he was just really a pleasure uh, to work with and to have at Brick Jazz Fest. And to your point, he did speak at a panel earlier in the week that we hosted here on jazz and social justice, which is, you know, you could argue that, yes, it's particularly timely now, but really when is it not? I mean, I think that, Jazz and music in general has always has often been a vehicle for change. Absolutely. So it was really great to have Greg Tate, who's you know a renowned music critic, um, speak to Samora Pinderhughes as well as Melvin Gibbs of Harriet Tubman, who was another um, artist at Brick Jazz Fest, and they just had the most compelling conversation about you know the role artists play um, in informing the public about social issues how it can often be, you know, really a tool for change and and a tool for peace, right? Like in an era of so much arguing and polarization, you know, art really can be a safe middle ground to have conversations. And I really have to credit Samora. He's, you know, credited with doing so much work around social justice in terms of his music and art and organizing. And he really called this out, and you know, in a nice but urgent way that, you know, we really need to educate ourselves about current social issues, understand where we have and have not progressed in terms of social justice. And this guy's 25 and he's like, what are you guys waiting for? Like, there's no, there's no reason if I can do it, you can do it. And I really appreciated that. Oh, the indictment. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm 25. What are you doing? It's kind oh. of true. I was like, okay, <laughs> I respect right, that. Right. We have a platform. Okay. Okay. We hear you some more. Yep. <laughs> That's really cool. So um, is there going to be any like footage of that panel or of Samora at Jazz Fest? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked. Oh, so a one fun. Every uh, now and then I have a good question. <laughs> well, what's really fun about this year is that uh, we partnered with Channel 13 WNET, the PBS affiliate here in New York, and they are launching a new all arts music channel what? next year. I know. It's crazy. A television channel? A, cha- a 24-hour television channel. Think no way. MTV, but like way better well, like, but MTV doesn't play music videos anymore, exactly exactly <laughs> um, so you know I don't have all the details on it but it, it really is an arts focused channel that will play 24-7 arts related footage whether wow. that's you know episodic television or straight live performances I think it'll be a mix of things um, that's really exciting for New York and really nationally so one of their first endeavors was to film a lot of the Brick Jazz Fest performances this year uh, so they will be, you know, they have all those tucked in an editing bay somewhere and those will all launch sometime next year when they launch the Arts Channel. Oh, great. So I'll have you back on. When oh, that please launches. do. Unless you end up my permanent co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Audition's going great so far, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite moments for Jazz Fest was Miles Mosley. Oh, of course. <laughs> is, is he like... <laughs> He's so, so wonderful. Full disclosure, I don't know a ton about jazz. Uh, Leah and I have different portfolios at Brick House. Mine is theater and dance and Leah's is music. So I am totally open and honest with how little I do or do not know about music. Jazz not being one of my strong suits so I had never heard of Miles Mosley and was like ooh a bass player cool I'll check that out and oh my word I've never heard those kinds of sounds come out of a bass before and so funky right like that's what I love too is that I admittedly you know put 
jazz in a box sometimes without thinking about it, especially totally. with the bass. I'm like, okay, it's going to be like very low hum. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it'll be great ambient music or maybe sort of fit for a certain mood. But no, Miles Mosley, like, get it's his band is literally called the West Coast Get Down. It's just not like it's a so figure fitting. of speech. It's very <laughs> fitting. So yeah, I agree. He was really fun. And you know, one of my favorite parts about Jazz Fest, there's so many artists who I loved, specifically Jasmine Horn, Theo Croker. She was great. She was amazing. There were so many great highlights uh, musically about it. But what I really loved was the fact that there was such a sense of community around the artists. We had uh, the Westerlies, for example, are a great horn section, a horn quartet who uh, played with Dave Douglas. And that was, you know, their official involvement with Brick Jazz Fest this year. But then they randomly went and guessed it on some more Pinderhuses set. And you know why? They both went to Juilliard. Like, they went to Juilliard together, some of them, and they're old pals, and it's not uncommon for them to collaborate. And I loved that. We had one um, other percussionist drummer, I think, uh, Jonathan Barber. He played, I want to give him a special award or something, because he actually (laughs) played... Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of Brick Jazz Fest with three different artists. No. So Thursday he played with Sherelle Cassidy, Friday with uh, Braxton Cook, and then Saturday with Theo Croker. And I was like, all right, you should just come every year. And that's so jazz. It's so like that, especially in the Brooklyn community, in New York, greater New York community. It's like everybody's playing with each other, collaborating with each other all the time. And so to have so many different artists under one roof who all knew and worked together uh, it just felt very natural and just like really organic, high energy. It was really great. It's so nice. Did they like walk into the dressing room and see each other and be like, hey, you're oh, here totally. too. Oh, hey. totally. It was my favorite part. <laughs> oh my God. Haven't seen you since blah, blah, blah. It was great. Yeah. It was really fun. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Is there anything else about Jazz Fest that I'm not asking that you want to tell me? Oh, I think, you know, I could probably go on forever about it. It was just really fun and I can't wait uh, for next year. Are you already thinking about next year? Oh, yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, even though this year was amazing, there's always there's just more to do. And now that I've seen the first year and really what uh, we're capable of achieving here with having, you know, all of these artists under one roof, sort of the nature of Brick is very in- inclusive and it's very much a part of our mission. So to me, what that says as a programmer is that the sky's the limit. So I'm really impressed with what we did this year, but what could we accomplish next year? Who else could we bring in? How else could we collaborate? How can we possibly push the notion of jazz to its like farthest edges? Fun. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks for that. So that's what just happened and looking ahead to what's next. The most um, prescient thing is the Commons Choir is coming up this weekend. So Commons Choir, Leah, have you seen any of rehearsal? Have you had a chance to? I haven't had a chance, but I'm so curious. I'm seeing uh, some the set part outside. Yeah. There's some very interesting yeah. elements to it's this. It's very interesting. We have a, an installation that goes along with the piece. It's a reading room that has a lot of the contextual reference points for the piece. It's a lot about decolonization and seeing another person for the first time um, as a human being and trying to strip away some of the identities we put on people when we just look at them. And so the cast is extremely multilingual, multi-ethnic. There's lots of different languages in the piece. It's a dance piece. It has poetry. It has song. It has movement. It's really, it's one of those things that's so hard to describe, but when you're in the room with it, it feels like the molecules in the room change. That's because of the work they do. Amazing. Yeah. It's it's the type of thing where I just like I just put my hand on people's legs like I'm doing it now and I look at them and I say, just come. (laughs) Just trust me. Just see it. I'm excited. It's so hard to describe. I can imagine. And it seems I'm really intrigued by how 
multifaceted it seems to be. It seems yeah. to be using a lot of different elements. Yeah. And Brick is really into, like Samora, case in point, is really into multidisciplinary work. And Commons Choir is such a huge example of that, of using movement and song and um you know, the, the art installation that's outside the space. So there's lots of components to it. So that's coming up this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at 8 o'clock, Sunday at 3 o'clock. Tickets are $20. If you use the code FRIENDS, because if you're listening to this, you are my friend, you can get $5 off uh, tickets. Go to brickartsmedia.org for the Commons Choir. And then the following week, immediately after that, is our next Brick Lab. Oh, I'm yes. excited for this I am one. so excited. So Martha Redbone, who is a really a musician first, this is uh, her first foray into theater, into musical theater, is putting together a musical theater piece about her family and her background as a Cherokee woman in Appalachia. And she's dealing with a lot of her own identity issues and for herself self-identifying as Cherokee. And again, that folks put a different identity on her because of how she looks. She um, can often be identified by others as black, as African-American, and she, you know, wants to be able to be Cherokee. And it's the idea of, like, who are we? What do we look like to other people? What are we allowed to be? You know, her roots go pretty deep, and she really wants to hold on to those roots. And a lot of times the world doesn't always let you have those roots. Uh, so excited about that. It's... Um, her music is is great. It's really, um, yeah. Well, I keep saying roots, but it's like roots music. And she co-writes with her husband Aaron, who's a British guy. So uh, they make a really fun pair. <laughs> I'm already like so inspired. <laughs> I really am. It yeah. Sounds so great. Uh, I'm really excited about it. So those showings are Thursday and Friday, November 16th and 17th at seven o'clock. She's going to be showing Act One. It's a work in progress. It's not a finished piece, so it's not going to be a super polished, which is what I love about Brick Lab. Is it's the like rough cut halfway through the process. So we're going to show Act One for you on the 16th and 17th, and then coming up after that is a co-presentation with Carnegie Hall, which I know nothing about. This is your realm again. <laughs> what is happening? So this is a great. Um, we do uh, these periodic co-presentations with Carnegie Hall neighborhood concerts. Um, and this is a great program that Carnegie Hall does where they put on concerts in each of the five boroughs, I think maybe once or twice a season, and we're their partner here in Brooklyn. So it's a chance for us, uh, you know, two great institutions to collaborate together. And uh, this December, we'll be having a vocalist named Kiran Ahualia. She's actually Indian, born and raised, um, and then moved to Canada as, I think, a teenager and is now living in New York City. And she's really incredible. Um, you know, she has a prolific body of work and she sings in a very traditional Indian sort of tradition of singing. But musically, her quintet is uh, very desert blues, very African, um, still invokes the use of tabla and other sort of Indo-Pakistani um, percussion. It's just very eclectic, very, um, very modern in terms of the styles that she weaves together and it comes out as something just really beautiful. And, you know, she sings a message of unity and, you know, she's very much a global citizen and embodies that in her work and in her presence. So that we will be lucky to have here at Brick December 1st at 7 PM. And this is completely free and open to the public. So I would definitely Ooh. encourage you to come experience this. It is first come first serve. So get here a little on the early side, grab a nice seat. It'll be really fun. Great. That's December 1st at 7? That's right. Okay. In the ballroom? In the ballroom. The big room? Okay. 
Super. And then looking a little bit farther ahead, I know you can't say who's booked and that's fine, but in the spring, there are also concerts. So we do Jazz Fest in the fall, obviously celebrate Brooklyn in the summer. In the spring, there's something called Brick House Sessions. That's right. We're very excited for this. We had a great um, first run at the series last spring. Oh, last spring was the first one. That was the first one. Yeah. And it went well. It was really fun. You know, Brick has, of course, done several different kinds of musical presentations, but last year was our first attempt to sort of umbrella it together in one cohesive series. Um, and so this year it's back and we're very excited. And this is really fun for me because it's um, it's pretty loose thematically. It's really, it's almost like a mini Celebrate Brooklyn in that there's no set rules about who can perform. It's really, are we presenting a group of artists who represent the diversity of Brooklyn? So let's be as varied and interesting as possible in these seven shows that we have. So we're currently working on that, and I'm very excited about some of the artists we're going to have, and I can't wait to announce them. Maybe I'll come back on the show okay, to good. do the announcement. <laughs> I'm like, personally, can you can you tell me another yeah. day? Okay. <laughs> I may I might whisper something. Um, so we're really excited. It's just a great chance to uh, work with, you know, touring artists, artists who want to do special presentations, um, and also have you know local artists open, uh, collaborate with more established artists. It's just really fun. I think it's sort of, again, there's nothing's really off the table. So uh, those take place Thursdays in the spring at 8 p.m. And tickets range from $15 to $20. And of course, that'll all be announced. That's amazing. Yes, when we announce the lineup. Okay. When do you think you'll be ready to announce? I think um, I will jinx myself if I give a real date. Okay. Okay. I won't won't force you into it. But it will be soon. Okay. And is spring considered... Like March, they'll start? Like February, okay. late February. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's arguably spring. Yeah, exactly. Why not? It's spring in some parts of the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it might be summer here. Yeah. <laughs> the way things are going. Seriously. Uh, okay, so that's that's what's coming up in the immediate future. Um, I like to close all of our shows with just a little like personal question. So, Leah, any Thanksgiving plans? I will be venturing off to New Jersey. Ooh. It'll be very fun spending Thanksgiving (laughs) with my boyfriend's family. So far away. Um, It's really interesting this year. I found, you know, of course, it's my first time going to their uh, home, or so I thought, for Thanksgiving. So, wait, so this is the first Thanksgiving with the boyfriend? It is the first Thanksgiving with the boyfriend. And we're not eating at the home. We're going to like a special in bed and breakfast type situation. Oh, that's so nice. It's so nice. And it's way less pressure to like bring a dish or. All of these other things that I was staying up late at night about. So instead, it'll just be a nice, you know. Do I bring the casserole? Do I bring the... Was I overstepping by bringing mashed potatoes? Right. You know, all these questions. Am I saying their mashed potatoes aren't good if I bring the mashed potatoes? Exactly. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be really fun. Uh, And then, what are you listening to right now? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, I am currently obsessed with this amazing uh, Colombian-Canadian singer named Lido Pimienta. She just won the Polaris Prize, which is... Admittedly, I did not know what it was until I discovered her and was obsessed, but it's a very prestigious award in Canada. Um, she beat out Leonard Cohen this year in Feist this year for uh, her uh, achievements in the arts. She beat out Feist? Yeah, I know. What? So, you Leonard know, she, Cohen, whatever, but Feist? <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show it's a cool award. Um, Kate Trinata won the award last year. Um, you know, they definitely want to elevate and amplify sort of underrepresented voices. And this woman's amazing. She's young. Colombian, uh, very outspoken about creating safe spaces for people of color and women. And 
uh, is just so, I really appreciate her ability to be so emphatic about that and really be an activist in that way, but is still so dynamic as a person, um, just really is a true entertainer. You know, she uses her artistry as a platform, but she's still an artist. She's still an entertainer. So when I saw her live for the first time in New York recently, I mean, she was telling crazy stories and really able to capture, you know, anecdotes of encountering racism and encountering discrimination that really makes you think about it. And she's able to convey it in a way that's very approachable um, and really makes us, you know, kind of examine these situations that occur every day to lots of people and how, you know, for her, they've been really inspiring in terms of creating this amazing uh, body of work. So she just won an award commending uh, her songwriting. And it's great. She's kind of this like artsy electronic sound, uh, very DIY and sort of unknown in these underground spaces in Toronto uh, and is now really bubbling up. And so I love it. It's very approachable music, but still really powerful. Um, and it's just great. I love listening to it, you know, when I'm angry about the world <laughs> or when I'm trying to get stuff done or when I want to dance in my kitchen. Is it's that great. what you're listening to over there? <laughs> when I'm bopping around. Next yes, to me. Yes. And I'm like, Leah. And you have to pull your headphones out. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> I love those moments. Uh, I've been listening to Sam Smith recently. New album out, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I really enjoy it. I don't know. Is that super basic of me? No, like, he's like oh, a wonderful songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> that's been really fun. Also, the new Kurt Vile with Courtney Barnett, that's been oh, yeah. um, a regular um, listen recently. Again, super basic, but hey. No, <laughs> own that. I like it. Kurt Vile's great. And yeah. Courtney Barnett rules. Yeah, their new one together is legit. It's been really fun. Anyway, um, so that's what's happening at Brick Performing Arts. Thanks for listening to the rundown. Uh, let's listen to some Samora on the way out. What do you say? Sounds great. <laughs> 